were on a journey through the book of Romans, many people would say, many scholars would say that Romans is their favorite book of the Bible. If you could pick one, all 66 books are inspired by the Holy Spirit. They're God-breathed. They're important. But many people say that a lot of our theological roots and our faith go back to the book of Romans, and it is a powerful book, isn't it? As we begin to read through the book, we see the first three chapters, Paul makes a strong point, both from Old Testament scriptures that he quotes from, but also just from logic, from common sense, from natural law. And this is his conclusion, which is much different than our culture, that we are not basically good, that each one of us has a corruption that roots back to the first man and first woman and we just tend to get everything all messed up if left to ourselves. We need God, wouldn't you say, everyone? I think for us it's obvious when we look at the world how much our world needs God, and yet we all tend to push him to the side, neglect him, ignore him, and the result is the mess that we see all around us, a broken world without God. In chapter 1, chapter 2, chapter 3, we finally get to the point where we say, Paul, enough. Okay, we get, we get the point, and you're right. We are broken people in need of a Savior somehow to save us. But where? Who could ever save us? I can't. Can you? I can't save anyone. And that's when God responds. And with this amazing plan, he gives us the plan in the Old Testament. Many people couldn't see it that God himself would become human, that he would join the human race and live a perfect life, never ever did anything wrong with no corruption in his soul, and then the unthinkable, that he would actually lay down his life as a sacrifice and die in our place. What an amazing story, and that's the story we told all last week at soccer camp too because it's a true story, isn't it? It's the story that defines all other reality and helps us to understand who we are, what we're doing down here, what our purpose is, and who do we belong to. It's an amazing story, and it continues then into the end of chapter 3 where Paul tells us the, this amazing thing. We all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, but we have been justified freely by his grace. We go to chapter 4, which the last two weeks Pastor Dan spoke on, and it's the story mainly about Abraham and his faith, and I'll just give you a little hint. Those chapter, that chapter really isn't about Abraham's faith. It's about God's grace, God's gift, and how we can appropriate it. How do we get it for ourselves? How do we access it? It's offered to everyone in the human race, but how do you grab onto it? It's by faith, by believing by trusting in God that it's true, that Jesus Christ is real, that he is God, that he died for you, and that he came back to life to offer us a brand new life. And through faith, when we believe, the Holy Spirit comes into our life and makes us new. He regenerates us. He gives us a brand new perspective, a new way of looking at everything, like crossing through a threshold into a whole new world. And it's not just that we have an eternal life when this life's over. We have an eternal life that starts right now, that we see life differently. We have a new purpose, a new belonging in the church. We have a new way of looking at everything. And then we get to chapter 5. 
Now, Dan's going to show us a picture. Not quite yet, Dan, because I have to, not quite yet. I have to just explain it first because you will not believe what you're going to see on the screen, okay? God has given us this gift. That's the word grace. Did you know that? The word grace just simply means gift. And God has gifted something to you and to me, and we want to grab onto that. Just like when we get a gift at Christmas or on our birthday, if someone hands you a present that's all wrapped up and has the bow on the top, and you take it, and then you put it in your closet, and you never open it, you don't really get what's in there, do you? No, Matt, we don't. I knew it, right? (laughs) What happens is you have to take the gift and receive it and open it, and that's what the gift of salvation is. It's grace. And as we open up chapter 5, we see God pouring his goodness and grace on you. Do you feel it today? God is pouring his goodness and showering you with his gift. It is an amazing experience. And even if today you came in feeling a little bit down, maybe things have been really hard for you or for your family, and you just feel like, God, would you somehow lift me up today because I feel so low, so down. Things have been so difficult. Let me just tell you, that we can be inspired today, not just because of some motivational speech, but because of truth from God's word. I am telling you, it's inspiring truth about a generous and merciful and compassionate and just and good God who is pouring his gifts upon you. Now, I don't know if you've ever been to this place. I've been to McDonald's in Europe. And sometimes when you order a hamburger, anybody ever have this experience? All the portion sizes are like really small. Anybody ever notice? It's like, oh my goodness. Like, where's my burger? It's like this little tiny thing. Well, not when you go to Harold's, all right? If you visit Harold's New York-style deli in Edison, New Jersey, and you order a sandwich, and I am not exaggerating, okay? Here's what a sandwich looks like. Can you, I don't know if you can see this very well on the screen. Can you see it? I am, that's not photoshopped, okay? That's a real sandwich at Harold's. So if you come, you better bring like an army of people with you or bring a lot of extra bread and have a big appetite. Here's another sandwich that you can order, okay? That's what's gonna come to your table when you order this sandwich. You were wondering why it was a little more expensive, right? Then this comes to the table and you're like, oh my goodness, what am I gonna do with this? That's like enough lunch meat for the next two months or something, right? Okay, well here's, you ordered a piece of cake? Okay. There's your piece of cake. How about an eclair, anybody? I don't know if you can see that, but there's your eclair, right? Everything, they have ginormous portion sizes, and that's Harold's. If you ever go, you'll never forget, because that's what's gonna come to your table, and then you start thinking, how in the world am I gonna even carry this home? What's the doggy bag look like? This is God's grace, isn't it? God's grace isn't just coming in tiny, puny portion sizes where he's kind of like, well, let me give them a little bit and let me put a little bit over there. He is pouring it on you. Do you feel it today? It's true. He is pouring his love and his grace upon you. Will you receive it? Will you take it? Will you accept it? Paul uses another word in Ephesians for this. He says that God has lavished us with his grace. Did you ever hear that word? He has lavished us with his grace. You can say it to the person next to you. It feels good to say it. He lavished us. He just, he just poured it out. He didn't just apportion a little bit here, a little bit there. He just poured it out so it's overflowing everywhere. 
And that's where we are now in the book of Romans in chapter 5. I have to tell you that there is so much in chapter 5 that God has lavished on us. I can't even pretend to tell you that we're going to be able to preach through verses 1 to 11 today. There's too much. I'm used to, at Cairn University where I teach, I, I get an hour and 15 minutes for my classes. But I'm going to tell you, I think I would take like maybe seven classes for this one passage. I think we should have a sermon on each one of these seven gifts that God has given to us, but we don't have time for that today. So what I'm going to do is just introduce you to the gifts, and I hope that you'll dig into them. I hope that you'll take a look and realize these are real gifts that God has given to you, gifts that make a difference in how we see everything. In fact, many people call this chapter, and you can turn there if you have a Bible, we're going to put some verses up here on the screen, but I always prefer to look at a Bible myself or if you have an app on your phone so that you can go back there, bookmark it, and go back and take a look at these amazing Bible verses. Many people call chapter 5 of Romans the much more chapter, the much more chapter. And that's because Paul repeats that phrase through this chapter. In other words... We're expecting maybe a gift. Whoa. He lavished us. He poured it out. He gave us much more than I could ever hold on to. And then he repeats it again. Paul repeats it again. Much more. Much more. You'll see it in verse 10 and verse 15 and verse 17 and verse 20. Much more. And that's what we're experiencing here, everyone. God has lavished his goodness on us. And we begin the chapter with this amazing gift that God has given to us all, and we can give thanks to him and praise to him today for it. Notice what it says, Romans chapter 5 and verse 1, Therefore, considering everything that has come before this, chapter 1, all of us, we are guilty and deserving God's punishment. Chapter 2, even religious people that try to pretend that they're being so good that they can please God, they can't. They're guilty. Chapter 3, all of us are guilty. And then we get to chapter 4. How do we get that? By faith, not by works. Therefore, listen everyone, since we've been justified through faith. Okay, we can't get any farther. We have to stop right there because what does this mean? The word justified is a very significant word in your Christian understanding, in your understanding of God and your relationship with him. What it means is that God has declared that you are not only not guilty, but you are righteous because of Jesus. You would say, well, wait, wait, I am guilty. I've done wrong things. I deserve to be punished for that. God says Jesus was already punished. And not only that, but I'm going to give to you Jesus' goodness. You remember all those amazing things that Jesus did when he was here on earth? Remember the righteousness of his life and how it just shined like a beacon? We're going to take all of that righteousness and give that to you too. So when God looks at you, if you receive his gift, he not only says you're forgiven, and all the wrong things are gone. But he says, when I look at you, I see the righteousness just like my son. God smiles at you. He is honored by you. 
He's so proud of you because he sees you just like he sees his own son. When we talk about justification in the Bible, a biblical word, it simply means that he has declared you righteous like a judge. It's a judicial term saying you are officially forgiven, but also you have the righteousness of Christ. Maybe you've heard it said like this, justification. What does, it's a big word, right? What does justification mean? Do you ever hear somebody say this? Just as if I've never sinned. That's how we could say justification means just as if I've never sinned. But more than that, just as if I've always done what was right, and I know I haven't, but that's applied to my account when I receive his gift, just as if I've always done right. You know, every sin, every sin that we commit is against the sovereignty, the holiness, and the goodness of God, and God is righteously angry with our sins, and he will punish them in his just judgment, both in this life and in the life to come, but he punished Christ on your behalf. If you receive his gift, Christ stepped in, and took the punishment for you. Sin is when we reject or ignore God in the world that he created, rebelling against him by living without any reference to him, not being or doing what he has required in his law, and it results in our death and the disintegration of all creation. But God had a plan to reverse that. To satisfy his justice, God himself, out of mere mercy, he reconciles us to himself and delivers us from sin and the punishment for sin by a redeemer, by Jesus. So how can we be saved? Is it by trying to be really good and going to church every week and trying to do nice things for people? Well, we all want to do those things because it makes the world a better place. But that's not what saves us. What saves us, the Bible says, is only by faith in Jesus Christ and in his substitutionary death on the cross. So even though we're guilty of having disobeyed God and we're still inclined to all evil, nevertheless, God, without any merit of our own, but only by pure grace, imputes to us the perfect righteousness of Christ when we repent and we believe in him. Now, I needed to say all that because we can't understand this chapter unless we understand that. Guys, we are forgiven because of Jesus. It's a gift. We didn't deserve it. He lavished us with it, and on top of that, all of these other things. That's what chapter 5, verses 1 to 11 is all about. Take a look with me. In fact, I'm going to show you seven different gifts that come from our justification. That's what's here. I hope that you'll read it later and maybe all week. Just delve into it. Take a look at it more. Seven gifts. And let me just read them off real fast right here. We have peace with God. We have a new standing with God, which is grace. We have a hope of an eternal glory. We have a new perspective when things get difficult. We can see it differently now. We can experience the reality of God's love. We're saved from any punishment and wrath. It's gone. And we're reconciled back with our creator. We can have a relationship that's deep and real and strong with God, our creator, because of justification. Now, I read those off to you. Now, I'm going to read the passage, and I hope you'll read it with me. See if you notice any of those things as we read. 
Let's read it together. I'll read it for you and you follow along. And let's read Romans chapter 5, verses 1 to 11. Therefore, since we've been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we've gained access by faith into this grace into which we now stand. And we boast in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings. Really? Because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance, character. And character, hope. And hope, let me tell you, does not put us to shame. Because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who's been given to us. You see, listen, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely would anyone die for a righteous person, though maybe for a good person, someone might possibly dare to die in their place. But what did God do? God demonstrates his own love for us, for you, in this. While you were still a sinner, whilst you were still guilty, Christ died for you. Since we've now been justified, you have a new place. You're forgiven. You have Christ's righteousness placed upon you. We're justified by his blood. How much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? For if while we were God's enemies... We were reconciled to him through the death of his son. How much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? Not only this, but we also boast in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. You can see there's just so much here. And so what I'd like to do is to mention each one of the gifts with just a few comments and then I hope that you'll go back and delve into it and take a look yourself. I love the YouVersion Bible app. If you use your phone a lot, you can put the Bible right on your phone. You can read it anytime, and it can even read it to you. And there's another resource I'd like to recommend. It's called Tom Constable's Notes. If you Google that, Tom Constable's Notes. He was my professor at Dallas Seminary over 35 years ago. And he's still writing his notes about the Bible, and it's all free. He has notes on every book of the Bible. And if you just Google it, you'll find it right there. It's very, very helpful for understanding the Bible. Now, as we look at the gifts from God, we see seven gifts. And I'm just going to mention each one, so don't worry. We're not going to be here for an hour and 15 minutes. But what I'd like to do is start with the first one. What's the first gift? It's that we have peace. We have peace with God. Notice what the verse says, therefore, since we've been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And we need that now more than ever, don't you say, everyone? See, the beginning of all peace is your peace with your creator. That's the beginning of all peace that we may experience, peace with ourselves, because some of us are fighting ourselves. Peace with others in our world. Peace with the created universe itself. We will only find peace when we find our peace with God. But he has already provided it. You don't have to go searching for it or conjure it up 
or try to find the secret formula. It's been given to you as a gift. Have you ever heard this little bumper sticker phrase? And I'm not real big on bumper sticker phrases, but this one, I just have to say it's true. No God, no peace. Have you noticed it? And some people say, oh, if I had more money, if I had more money, then I would be at peace and I can, I can get the things I want. Have you noticed that, I don't know if it's just me, I notice people who have more money seem to be less peaceful and more miserable. And I, that's a generalization, and I'm sorry for saying that. But you know what I have found is that if you know God, then you know peace. If you know him, then you know peace. Right, Dan? There it is. If you know him, then you know peace. And that's exactly what this passage is saying. It's a gift that's been given to you to know him. And through that, we can have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. But many of us as Christians, even though we've received the gift of salvation, we're not living in that peace. We're not enjoying our time with God each day and walking with him talking with him, reading from his word, enjoying his presence each day. And I have to say for myself, I want to spend more time doing that. My mentor, he was almost 80 when I first met him, and he lived to be 97. And I can't tell you how many times I heard him say this. I'd be sitting in with him, and he'd be sitting there with his Bible, just kind of right here on his chest, leaning back in a chair, and he would say, Matthew, I have never enjoyed the Lord's presence more than right now. Each day, it grows sweeter. And even the way he said that, I knew he meant it. He wasn't just telling me a story. I long for that. I long to spend time with God like that, don't you? To listen to his voice, not in a hurried way, but to take some time to be alone with him, to read his words, and to let that soak into my soul because he's already established peace. Jesus broke down the wall between me and God, and now I can enter right into his presence. The curtain was torn from the top to the bottom so we can go right into his presence. Isn't it awesome? You know, I don't know if you've heard the story, but Hiro Onoda was a Japanese imperial soldier during World War II. And when peace was declared in August of 1945, the word did not get to him right away. And when it did... He said that he would not surrender until his superior officer came and relieved him of his duties. So even though peace had been declared, he didn't claim it until 1974. 29 years he lived at war when peace had already been declared. And I wonder if we're living like that. Everyone, peace has been declared between you and God. You don't need to fight him anymore. Open up your life to him. Welcome him in each day and enjoy the peace that he's already established. And I think you'll find something, that he changes our hearts. Peace I leave with you, Jesus said. Peace I give to you. Not like the world gives. Let not your heart be troubled. Don't let it be afraid. We can claim the peace that God is providing. The Bible is filled with statements about peace that go right down to the depths of our soul. Well, as you could notice, I can speak for the whole time just on peace, right? And you're like, get moving, Matt. We have like five minutes left. All right. Well, I have to tell you that I think that's the root, and I think that's why Paul put it first. 
because it's a root of all the other gifts. When we enjoy God's presence and realize that we have peace with him, we begin to see everything differently. We look at life differently. We treat our friends and family differently and we understand ourselves better and find peace with myself. Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed upon him. That word in the Hebrew means stuck, whose mind gets stuck on our great creator, then we will find perfect peace. Well, I have to move on. There's a second gift, and the second gift is a new standing that we have with God. It says in verse 2, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace into which we now stand. There's another gift that God gives to us, which is a new standing with God. We have a new way to approach him because of what Jesus has done. Maybe this is a bad way that I can say this, but I have a a card in my wallet that's a, a Cairn ID card, and it's got a computer chip in it. So any door that I go to at Cairn, that card is programmed so the door will open for me. It feels so good, isn't it? Because other people are standing at the door, oh, it's locked. Don't worry. Just pull out my card. Just put it against the little sensor. It turns green. Isn't that cool? I hear it click. In we go. Everybody can come with me. Right? We have access. And that's what God has done through Jesus. He's given you access into the grace of God. No longer are you shamed or guilty. No longer are you under God's wrath or deserving punishment, even though I do deserve it. He has changed our standing. Someone has said it this way. They said, grace is God's riches at Christ's expense. And what a wonderful gift he has given to us. You know, uh, I worked on the Taconi Pamira Bridge maintenance crew for seven years. And when I first started, I thought I wasn't going to make it even a couple of weeks because my boss was, he had it in for me. Did you ever hear someone saying that you're on my blacklist? Usually they don't tell you that but you might assume that. He actually told me that, okay? And so every day he would come where I was working, even though if I was with a whole cr- a crew of other people, he would single me out and criticize everything I was doing. It was terrible. I was 18 years old, and every day I dread, dreaded going to work. I actually was thinking about quitting until my coworker said, you know why he's doing this, right? I'm like, I have no idea. Like, I, this is terrible. I could do nothing right. Everything I did was wrong. Do it this way, do it that way. He said, well, it's because of who hired you. Oh, what do you mean? Well, the guy that hired you is that guy's political enemy. So he doesn't really hate you. He hates your, the guy that hired you. So just to get at him, he's going to treat you terribly. He's going to treat you like dirt. And I want to tell you, that was a long summer. Being on a blacklist is no fun. Am I right? But what changed thing was a couple of others of my older coworkers They liked the work that I was doing, and so every day they made a point of going to my boss and telling them what a good job I was doing, how much they liked me, and he better stop treating me like this. I don't know why they listened, why he listened, but he did listen to them, and all of a sudden everything changed, and he started treating me differently. Everyone, we now have a different standing with God. You're no longer under God's judgment and his wrath, which we did deserve, Now, you're his own child. He delights in you. 
He loves you and is pouring out his gifts on you. We have a new standing with God. Number three, it says in verse two also, we boast in the hope of the glory of God. We boast in the hope of the glory of God. We have a life that's coming after this one. The word boast means to celebrate. Many people dread the the word death. They don't ever want to talk about it. We use all kinds of euphemisms when people die. We don't want to think about death. Why? Because it's terrifying, not for the Christian. For the Christian, when you close your eyes here, you will open them in the presence of the Lord Jesus. When you finish your life here, when it's time, and you enter into your new life, it's the threshold to a brand new and wonderful life. We don't dread it. Maybe we dread a little bit, like, how am I going to die? I don't like thinking about that. But I don't dread death death itself anymore. God has given us a gift, hasn't he? It's a true and real hope of glory in heaven, and so it makes me live this life differently. There's a fourth gift. It says in verse 3, not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance, character, and character, hope. And many of you have already found this gift, that when hard times come, we can focus on the hard times or we can realize that God has a plan in it. It's no fun going through difficulty, but we can know that God has a plan for all things. And for that reason, I can tolerate it. I can see that he means it for my good, that he's producing something inside me that means long-suffering and perseverance. I can remain under it, and it's doing a good work in me. It, it changes my character to be like Jesus and gives me hope. And for that reason, I can move forward. The Bible says also that there's another gift, and the gift that God gives to us is the gift of knowing God's love. It says, and hope does not put to shame, because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who's been given to us. You see, at just the right time when we were powerless, Christ died for us. God demonstrated his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. God has lavished his love on us, everyone, both in ways that we can't understand because the Holy Spirit now lives inside of you. God himself, did you know that? Lives inside of you and shows us his love. But if we ever lose sight of that, just look at the cross and remember that God loves you. He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him freely give us all things? He loves you. And maybe you're struggling with that this morning. Maybe the combination of those last two gifts, you're you're, you're having such a hard time, so many trials, things are happening to you or to your family, and you're thinking, does God love me? He does. He's using it to do a great work in your life, and he has lavished his love on you. We don't ever need to question it. In fact, my mentor told me that in hard times, we tend to grow bitter or cold toward God. And he said, Matt, even if it's from a cold heart, thank God for the difficulties because he means those for your good. He loves you. Claim that promise, everyone. I'm going to come back to this next week because I'm going to be speaking next week also, and we're going to celebrate the Lord's table together, and I'll have a chance to talk about that even more. 
I wanted to just mention a few more gifts, though, because there are two more. Since we've now been justified by his blood, it says in verse 9, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? Yeah, we no longer have to fear what's coming and to wonder, am I going to make it into heaven or not? Have I done enough good works to get there or have I not? The Bible declares you are forgiven through Christ. It's not by works of righteousness which you've done, but by his mercy that he saves us. We don't have to wonder where we are. So why would anybody go to church then if we don't have to go to church to go to heaven? It's because we want to. We're already saved. We don't come to church so that we can get to heaven. We come to church because we know we're already going there. And he's given us a brand new life that we can share with one another. We can encourage others along their journey, and there's a whole world of people who've never heard before. They don't know about this. We can share this gift with them, and we get to the last gift. If while we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son, how much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? Not only this, but we also boast in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we've now received reconciliation. It kind of makes a full circle. Because what this is talking about is the fact that although we were estranged from our creator, and rightfully so because of our offenses against him, Jesus' sacrifice has removed all of the offenses so that now we can be reunited with the one who made you. It's what we all long for. Our hearts are restless until they find their rest in God. And you and I know people all around us that are searching. They're turning to alcohol and drugs and relationships and work and trying to get lots of money to try to find something, but they're not finding it, are they? Because what they need is God. Provide it through what Jesus has done for them so that they too can be reconciled to him. Once upon a time, there were two brothers. They were both farmers, and they had adjoining farms. They loved to help each other with farming, especially during harvest time, and they were very close to one another. Well, one offended the other, and I don't even remember what it was about, and neither do they. And so they became estranged from each other and became enemies on adjoining farms. And so if they ever saw each other, they would give each other a scowl as they looked at each other. In fact, one day, one of the brothers took his big backhoe and dug a huge ditch between their properties, which filled up with water and made kind of like a river between their, their properties. Well, the other brother was just kind of angry about that. So he hired a carpenter to come in, and he said, listen, you see my brother's property over there? I don't want to ever see him again. Here's all the lumber. I want you to build me a gigantic fence. I don't ever want to see him again. I have to go into town. I'm pretty sure you can finish it in one day. And when I come back, I, I just want to see that fence. I don't ever want to see him again. Well, the guy went into town, and when he came back, he was really angry because the carpenter somehow must have misunderstood his instructions. He didn't build a fence. He built a bridge. I want to tell you, you never saw a more beautiful bridge. He was just putting the finishing touches on it, and that brother, he was so angry. I didn't pay you to build a bridge. And as he was walking up to cross the bridge and to have words with the carpenter, the man on the other side, his brother, started to walk from his side of the property. They met in the middle of the bridge, and he said, here I dug a trench to offend you, and you built a bridge to reunite us. 
how could you ever forgive me? And the brothers were united on that day. They turned to the carpenter who was still just putting a couple finishing touches on there. And they said, you know, we have a lot of work around here that we need to do. We'd like to just hire you to do that. He said, sorry, I have many more bridges to build. And isn't that the story of what Jesus has done? He has built a bridge to reunite us with our creator. And he builds bridges for you too in the relationships that you have with your family and friends, even those that are estranged. And you think we could never be reconciled. God can do it. God can reconcile us to himself and give us the grace to forgive others, even if they never forgive us and never want to be reconciled to me. As far as it's up to me, I can live at peace with all people because of the amazing gift that God has lavished upon us. So as we look at the passage, you can see so much more here, and it's more like a tour, like taking you on a tour a little bit so that you'll go back and explore this more to see all these wonderful gifts. But let's just close our time now together in prayer and thank God for these gifts. I'm just going to put uh, the seven gifts back up, and I wonder if there's one or maybe two on the list that you're especially thankful for as you look at the list. I'm just going to pause now for a moment of silence. Why don't you say a prayer to God and say, God, thank you. How you have lavished us with your love and your grace, things I don't deserve, You've given us all of these things, and I just treasure my relationship with you. Just pause now and thank God for his wonderful gifts. And so, Lord, we do want to say thank you. What an amazing gift you have poured upon us. Truly it is amazing grace. How sweet the sound. And, Lord, we praise you for the justification that you have given to us that have produced all of these wonderful benefits, we know that you paid a debt that you didn't owe. And I owed a debt I could never pay. I needed someone to wash my sins away. And now I sing a brand new song, Amazing Grace, all day long, because Jesus paid the debt that I could never pay. And we praise you for that today, Lord. And we want to live for you and tell others about this gift that you've lavished upon us. We, we receive that gift today, Lord. And we pray that you'll use it to help us to become more like you and to spread this good news to everyone in this world. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.